everybody, and welcome to Flashes of DEI, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My name is Morgan Wooden. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am a special assistant here in DEI. And my name is Katie Matice. I use they, them, their pronouns, and I am a director here in DEI. So April 2nd is World Autism Awareness Day, and the month of April is National Autism Awareness slash Acceptance Month here in the U.S. So we thought it would be super timely to talk about autism, and to do that, we are joined by a wonderful colleague here from Kent State. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, uh, my name is Zach Strickler. I'm the Neurodiversity Coordinator here at Kent State. Nice. Thanks for joining us, Zach. We're super excited to talk with you today and to get a little bit of your knowledge and expertise. So because we're so excited, are you ready to just jump in and get started? Yeah. All right. So for folks who aren't super familiar with autism, could you give a little bit of an overview of what it is? Sure. Uh, It is a neurodevelopmental disability. Um, Characteristics typically include... uh, struggle with uh, social emotional reciprocity and then forming relationships and then um, repetitive behaviors or rituals would be like a diagnosis of it Um, to give a picture of it as a person can be any combination of things really what people struggle with uh, varies and uh, to the degree of their struggle also varies so I have Asperger's uh, a master's degree in a CRC and I got to say it every time because um, one of the things that comes up with autism is a stigma about uh, one's competencies around things. So Mm. all the time, it's a sandwich in my life. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that, Zach. Um, So we had hinted a little bit earlier that we have this monthly observance that's happening right now in April, and there seems to be an evolution of language happening that the observance was originally called Autism Awareness Month, but now there seems to be a shift in some spaces to move towards Autism Acceptance Month. So can you talk a little bit about that change and why it's so important? Uh, Yeah, so that change stems from the notion that people should be accepted. People are aware of autism at this point, and the Uh, stereotypes that go along with it, but there isn't as much as to accepting of the personality traits and individuals being people. You can see a push similar, uh, granted a bit more dated, uh, the disability rights movement. It would be fair to say this is a continuation of that. Mm. This push is also, from my understanding, uh, from individuals on the spectrum who have it and are, you know, asking for no longer um, awareness, but acceptance. That's so important to like specifically with language around community, that community has a say in what gets said, right? And pushes for what language folks should be using. So you've hinted a little bit throughout your answers so far around some kind of stereotypes, myths, and misconceptions around autism. We want to give you space to kind of talk directly to some of the big ones that you see uh, and, you know, some of the pushback you'd give to those myths and misconceptions. Oh, uh, <laughs> a big question. Well, it's quite a problem. The diagnosis doesn't do a horribly good job defining the population. Mm. For example, the population uh, can be divided up like about a 60-40 split, uh, those with an intellectual disability and those with not. And it formerly used to be high and low functioning. And that's in part where the stigma exists uh, mm. right now in the DSM. We're at levels one, two, and three. Uh, but if one goes and looks at the literature, it's still broken down into one and two. 
why there's many stigmas related to it. Uh, there's not even a, con- a real good consensus on what it is from a research perspective. Mm. So most common stereotype is that people on the spectrum uh, will struggle all their life, uh, will be nonverbal or poor at communication and won't be good at making friends or have desires to be social. The former, um, not wanting friends comes from perhaps that struggle that people experience and then um, due to the rejection that they feel, they have a less interest in going and making friends. Now, granted, that is far from an overarching mm-hmm. uh, characteristic or experience. To then uh, the opposite end being you look normal, uh, mm. nothing wrong with you, and you should be functioning. Why, why are you doing these slightly weird things? Yeah, that word normal so loaded. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Normal is only a state in time. It is uh, what is normal, say, in the medieval era for communication, dress, and everything is not normal now, nor will mm. it be the normal in the future. So mm-hmm. we're all acting for a better future that will become the normal. So fingers crossed, normal will be good again if we get it good. <laughs> <laughs> but to one's competencies, uh, how qualified of a professional are you if you have autism? So, and that one is depending on the field that one is in. Uh, there's a greater acceptance in IT because there's the stereotype that they're good at picking out um, fine details and complex mm. designs, for lack of a better word, which uh, I guess, ironically, to stereotypes, there's a chunk of research that demonstrates that, yeah, no, there is a tendency for those in the spectrum to pick out patterns better. So sometimes things to lean into if somebody's going to assume that you're going to do well, yeah. if you can prove them right, might as well, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes the thing about stereotypes is that people may fit the stereotype, but that doesn't mean that it's true of everybody, um, which is what makes it dangerous, right? Yes. Uh, I'm a counselor and I can speak to that. So uh, I have been often told not to bring up the notion that I have Asperger's when writing, you know, application letters because of the stereotype around it being that we're not social, we're not good at it. Ironically, Mm -hmm. I spent my entire existence trying to figure out how to talk and what words meant. So to that category, to me, this is more of an achievement, uh, which to, I mean, jump into the stereotype and what is normal and what's not normal. I would advocate for the notion that uh, normal for counselors should be a bit more fluid. It is I who sits and decided to make the hill that I die and bring it up every time I get a chance. <laughs> salient that just because one has a disability doesn't mean they can't get to where they want to go. And just because one has a weakness doesn't mean they can't, to some degree, overcome it or gain a mastery of, you know, what they struggled with. So, yeah. And I think that speaks to like this idea of shifting what normal means or expanding what normal means. So that way more people can be successful, right? Cause it's not, it's not the individuals that are limiting themselves. It's the structures. It's the, the way we imagine, right. Who counselors are that then tells people that they can't do it. Right. Um, even though Mm -hmm. they can make great counselors. So yeah, that expansion of what normal is or just getting away from that altogether because very few people fit what actual normalcy is perceived as. Oh, that is true. Um, I guess to loop back to the notion of the statements that come with it, it being an invisible disability also is one of those obtuse things with normality. Um, Mm. People will either, um, the term is uh, spread. So it's when somebody imagines somebody with a disability, they imagine that they have other deficits that may not be related to it at all. So people may presume one is bad at other things. And then again, you look normal, so you're probably fine. So Mm. why not? Which to go to the grossness of autism, 
as a diagnosis slash as a tool to help define people because i mean inherently it wasn't just meant to go and stigmatize people it was meant to collectively label people similar characteristics together so they could seek treatment when people go and like try to find help i think i'm like segueing on two different thoughts i'm going to segue to this one and then i'll try to jump back they can't find the appropriate resources because it's such a broad spectrum so when one wanders in looking for something they're like ah will this be my people or will this be a different level for those using DSM terms? And then to uh, one's competencies and that self-stigma, um, a lot of what I hear, not just from people with autism, but people with disabilities is that total, I can't do something because I have a disability. So a little bit does become internalized. It does mm-hmm. become a self-defeating thing, which is why I'm here, uh, proves that it is capable uh, of it happening. I exist. Other people exist. So the more that uh, people on the spectrum come out as you know, people that are successful, think that it chips away slowly at the misconception that it is doom and gloom consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, I've even heard just, you know, in my short 20 odd years of life that I remember being younger in grade school and I mean, autistic was the word. And I think it's been nice to see the language develop of it being more of the spectrum. And you talk about the different like characteristics that a person could have. And so I think like I to kind of, I guess, a follow up question for that that I would have. So when we talk about the different characteristics that can exist within the spectrum, do you think that there are like groupings of characteristics that typically um, exist together? Or is it kind of just based on the person? Is it, could it totally be up to an individual of what characteristics from the spectrum fit their experience? Um, yes and no. So I think it depends on what category, what level they fall in. One of the things that people with intellectual disability struggle with is getting the appropriate education so they can demonstrate their mastery of concepts. So uh, with that presumed incompetency, uh, those individuals will have additional uh, struggles because they weren't taught what they should be taught. And that Mm -hmm. isn't to imply that those on the spectrum that would fit that category can gain the same mastery as everything else. Now, it's a disability with limitations. I never want to imply that. Uh, it is one thing or the other, or everything is possible when it's not, because unrealistic expectations are just as unfair uh, for me as it is for you know anybody else with any other struggle. Absolutely. To then say uh, if there's any characteristics off the top of my head that would be consistent, uh, the only one that comes to mind is I want to say it's like a 70 or 80% chance of you having autism and another neurodevelopmental disability. So that'd be something like ADHD um, mm-hmm. or dyslexia. Um I would look at maturity levels and put that on a scale that can increase. Uh, one of the things that comes up is how mature that individual is uh, opposed to their age. And that comes very important when seeking out resources and social groups, because, you know, if your maturity level is 17, but you're not plus or minus, it becomes a problem. And then it dissuades you from seeking out similar groups. Like I will have people ask me about the groups that are run on campus here. Like, Hey, uh, who attends these? I've been to other groups. It's been all levels and I didn't feel represented there, which I'll have to mm-hmm. say, yeah, no, where this is um, students going to college. So they're people like you. Uh, it's one of the problems related to this. Cause it's not an unfair statement to say that there are levels of autism that require different levels of need in different places in life with a set of problems that is reflective of what level they reside in. When, I guess, trying to help everybody, that is kind of the problem that's mm-hmm. in the notion of both acceptance and awareness is that uh, we're not very well uh, defined. Say, for example, that 
you know, if you're struggling right now to meet ends meet, um, you're not very concerned about prestige. Uh, so you're at a different place. I'm not as worried about money at this moment, but I am very much worried about my prestige. So if I were to go seek out a group, I would be looking for people that, you know, are really focused on their career and how autism affects them. And that's not to say that, uh, cause I am, uh, actively facilitate the group for, uh, autism society, greater Akron, where it's for everybody and it's enjoyable. Uh, would I attend as a person? Yeah. It, it sounds a little bit like that difference between, uh, like equality and, and equity, right? So equality, treating everyone the same, here's a group for everybody versus equity. What are the specific needs of this particular group or what specific needs are we trying to, to meet, uh, to then create a group based on that so that, you know, folks can find it type of thing. Yeah. Uh, it goes to really the grossness around the word and all the stereotypes with it. That is, uh, where does one fit and who is defining who fits there? If you go with actively accepting everybody, do you suffer the hindrances of that, knowing that some people will not feel connected? Or do you decide to go on the opposite end and say, okay, it's only for these of those level with the idea that you may have to turn somebody away? And to what I do here at Kent, getting off the struggle bus, we, you know, it's inclusive to everybody that are all neurodivergent. So it's not just autism. Pitch for anybody who's interested in coming. Feel free to shoot me an email because I'm more than happy we play a. Uh, Jackbox and do trivia games, board games, occasionally watch uh, videos, all depends on what the group is up to. So that is my pitch for my groups. Nice. (laughs) Great pitch. You know, you mentioned before that oftentimes folks with autism don't get the same type of education, right? So a barrier is the education they may receive in K through 12, right? So could you talk a little bit about some of the barriers and challenges that autistic people can face? And especially when we're thinking about university settings. So specifically to universities, social skills are very important. Networking is very important. Uh, It doesn't really matter what degree you're going for. You're going to need letters of rec sooner or later. You're definitely going to need outside experiences. Um, What people are taught versus how it's being taught right now, there's a push in the neurodiverse community that uh, applied behavioral therapy isn't super effective because it's forcing people to mask and change um, Mm. how they're presenting themselves. I would say the probably biggest barrier is fitting into academia. The culture of it. Yeah. And Zach, for those who might not be super familiar, could you pop a definition of masking and what that means? Sure. Um, Asking is when one covers up traits that may be deemed undesirable. Uh, Typically takes up a little bit of bandwidth. The more one does it, the more they have to cover it, the more bandwidth it takes up. And what people feel is uh, acceptable is that masking is a requirement for those on the spectrum. And uh, there is a grumblance uh, from those who feel like they have to do it. But in the same vein, uh, there is uh, dissenting opinion. And that being that everybody has to mask to some degree. So what degree is it that I view you as competent as everybody else? Um, So infantilism would be Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that everybody with a disability uh, faces to some degree. So people give them acceptances and say, well, okay, you don't got to do this because you have a disability. And I guess um, to part of why I bring up the dissenting opinion, I stem from the fact that if you don't hold those same expectations from people, you don't give them the opportunity to grow and develop into their full selves. So I both acknowledge that it is a disability and it can hinder people and there should be limited expectations based off what a disability is actually, for lack of a better word, how it hinders you. But at the same time, saying that that's all that one can be is equally gross and unfair. It sounds like it's like it's a it's a tough balance to strike. And I think especially like in academia that 
you want to have these high standards, but you also don't want to set an unfair playing field. And so I think it's it's tough that like, I mean, and you had said before that it's difficult to give resources and assistance when it really truly comes to the individual and what is best for the individual. And I think when we're talking about academia or we talk about here at Kent State, like it kind of comes with being like the student ready college of what does each individual student need and how can we, and Katie had mentioned the, the difference between equality and equity, like how can we deliver what the student needs versus just trying to generalize and wrap mm -hmm. it up with a silver bow and just make it work for everybody? Yeah. Uh, to throw my pitch out for what I do here, uh, I tell students holistically address college and figure out what resources are good for them and how to approach things. That goes from, uh, you know, sitting down and figuring out study tips and how to organize oneself then to figuring out okay, well, you have these ways to do it. Why aren't they working? And then sometimes it isn't, you know, that the strategy itself is good or bad. It is one's motivations aren't present. College is hard and you have to find some uh, intrinsic reasons to want to attend and want to do things. So if you're feeling awful, you have anxiety, depression, something else is messing with you or you're in the wrong major, uh, that may be why you dislike what you're doing and you're finding a hard time investing in it. Creating these spaces where you can have conversations with students about what they're interested in, what sorts of things are working, what sorts of things aren't working are all ways that we can kind of potentially, I don't know if we can remove barriers, at least identify the barriers and figure out ways around them or through them. Are there any other things that you would want to share for folks uh, to think about when trying to get rid of barriers or make our environments more inclusive for people who are autistic? I think to make things more inclusive, uh, best things to do would be, you know, to avoid as many metaphors and uh, if you can, try to make it contextual. So a mm. uh, metaphor without context or without an explanation at the end is vague and obtuse. Just because a metaphor makes sense to you doesn't mean it makes sense to everybody. So you'll have to gauge that person's interpretation of it. And more often than that, when people don't get it, they'll nod and say, okay, like they do because they want to seem like they're uh, yeah. into it and understand you. So and make sure that the metaphor slash analogy goes with an explanation of why it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, second thing uh, to language, vernacular is the worst. For example, for those who are familiar with those from the South, how there's orange Coke, which makes no sense to me because it's Fanta, but it's orange Coke. Um, mm. And there's oh. also soda that isn't pop. <laughs> Things that, you know, are colloquial. Yeah. Sometimes need excess information, which I have very many questions now that there's an orange Coke because I have that now. <laughs> how has that messed up everything for those looking for yeah. Fanta? How are you ordering? Yes. If I were to say to remove barriers, uh, I would say rubrics using a lot of the universal design things that help everybody. Uh, so rubrics are fantastic concrete examples of what you want with clear definitions of what things are, are beneficial to everybody. To talk to specifically those that um, are on the autism spectrum, uh, there is a tendency to think more concretely than abstractly. And due to that, clear, concrete definitions of what you want, what your expectations are, will be super beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And I would also, in the same vein, treat people like they're people and had expectations for them. If you get people thinking that something is acceptable when it's not, and it's something that's within their power to control, when they go out and they do it again, it, it's going to hurt a little more than it does now. I can use me as an example all the time. I have poor depth perception. So as a little kid, like, I'm just like, hey, teacher, can you cut this straight line for me? I can't. Well, they did it all the time until a substitute teacher went, why, why can't you? 
Well, I just can't mm. I'll give it a go. Oh, okay. So this is just cutting with paper. Didn't need to be as stressful and rigorous as this. I do possess the ability to do this. So yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the, one of the rubs of making places and things and environments more inclusive is that it's not a one size fits all answer. There's no clear path because there's so many things that go into making it not as inclusive. So it's a lot of, let's try this out. Let's talk with you about what's going on here type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody should be free to be themselves and, you know, experience the better parts of life. But at the same time, uh, I reflect on little Zach and little Zach wouldn't have been forced to do things. He wouldn't have believed that he could do things in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's all about, you know, you set the expectations, but what support, what tools are you also giving to help meet those expectations? Right. So not just putting people out there and letting them trial by fire type of stuff, but what are ways we can create environments where we're building skill, where we're building knowledge that we can hit that end goal. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I take, I will go to my common accommodation. I need extra time on exams because, uh, well, I can read well, I do not read fast. Mm -hmm. So if you want me to be able to properly digest things, I need that accommodation. So student accessibility service and thus being those who um, approve accommodations and support them. Yeah, no, accommodations are important. You know, computers are fantastic uh, to making things easier, but still allowing people to demonstrate their abilities. I can't, for the life of me, come up by why anybody needs a handwritten exam anymore for essay-based exams. Um, 28, my writing still sucks. It's, it's just not happening. Uh, but if you let me type, I can type proficiently. So part of this is, you know, what can be made uh, more accessible for everybody. And do, do pardon me for trying to strike the balance because I know how I come off. It's like, ah, you can do it. Uh, doesn't make a difference, but I, much like every one of my thoughts, they're consistently conflicting. Uh, <laughs> I don't ever want to portray that a disability isn't real and it doesn't affect people and that the world is accessible and that everything can be done because, you know, uh, the, the disabilities are real. And so Zach, we're talking here at Kent State. What are some of the resources that we could provide like outside of SAS to help make lives a little bit easier? I would make the recommendation if you feel like giving a specific resource because people say, and, and rightly so, you can't go up to somebody and be like, do you, do you feel like you need counseling? Mm. No, it's just an awful way to ask that question. But if you propose it in the notion, hey, there's a lot of resources on campus. Hey, you look a little stressed. You can try the academic uh, success center to get tutoring. Or, you know, if you're like having problems comp- uh, decompressing, you know, CAPS, uh, Counseling and Psychological Services. For those registered with SAS, their student support services, which uh, something that people can uh, apply to get into once they, if they get accepted into it, because there's a limited number of spots uh, that they can get individual tutors and access to what they have to offer. Let me give this brief spiel of what I do, because I get many questions, because yeah. I do many things. So holistic approach, you know, if they're struggling to organize their time, struggling to, you know, prioritize, struggling with, uh, you know, how to format a paper, I'm a good first stop because what I'll do is I'll sit and talk with them and we'll figure out uh, what exactly is causing their problem. And then I'll direct them to the appropriate source. Like I should not be consulted about writing the paper. Like, no, it's the writing comments job. They, they would be better. So let's figure out how you can go and ask the question of what you need to ask. So part of it is how do you ask questions appropriately? Sometimes how do I go talk to my professor? How do I express uh, all kinds of things really um, disability and not disability related? Yeah. So students can come to to you, to other folks at student accessibility services and have those types of conversations to figure out what resources do I need and also 
what should I say to get what I actually want from them? Yes. Yeah. Uh, other services just sitting around thinking about it. Uh, give a shout out to the counseling center because they exist and help students along with uh, the psychological clinic that is held uh, housed over in um, psychology department. Yeah. And you mentioned struggle bus. Are there any programs mm-hmm. that are specific to the autistic community that you are running? Uh, most of what we run is uh, for neurodivergent at this point, and that's just because the autism community is small, and those who wish to engage in that part of their identity. Uh, to give numbers, because they're relatively depressing, and also the reason that I decided to die on the hill of uh, being somebody with autism who has degrees and letters next to his name. Uh, it's about, uh, last time I read, um, it's like about a third of those on the spectrum end up graduating college with their degree. And then about a third from there goes on to complete uh, a two to four year degree. Uh, with two years, it gets a little better. It's closer to 50. Uh, it's a fairly small population. I mean, you know, Kent having our, our programs has an uptick in that opposed to normal universities, but across the board talking very small. I like to joke that perhaps I'm a unicorn because statistically <laughs> I should not exist. Perhaps a narwhal because I have a master's degree, which, you know, depending on how you want to shoot things out there and a CRC. So cert- certified rehabilitation counselor. Uh, I think I did the math at some point. Um, oh, there may be like 20 of me across the United States. Uh, wow. Math is right. So the shout out to Ken for being very unique. I'm almost hundred percent sure that we can say that we are the only people in Ohio to have a neurodiversity position and somebody who has Asperger's heading it. So of things that are awesome about Kent, super unique at that point. Yeah. Well, if there are folks who want to learn more about the work that you're doing, learn more about SAS, where would you direct them to check you out? Social media, website, what sorts of stuff? Oh, we just, we just got our social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at SASKSU1910. If one, you know, Google's SAS Kent State and then goes to four students, one can see uh, what I offer and the programs that I run in the section that is for um, academic and social. Cool. And one can also sign up with a meeting for me there. So I meet with anybody. You don't have to be registered with SAS. If you're considering it, had questions about, you know, what the process is like, what are accommodations? We have intro meetings that we could do um, that uh, but our office does. And then... I do individual meetings with people about, you know, everything under the rainbow. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you for your work and thank you for being willing to talk to us. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. If you're interested in learning more about DEI, uh, you can check out our website at kent.edu slash diversity. And if you've got a topic that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at diversity at kent.edu or connect with us on social media. So we are at DEI Kent State across all platforms and we will see you next month with a new episode. Bye. Bye.